With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. This week, we go from the, the three faces of Foley the last three weeks to a man with three different, very different gimmicks this week. Or as, as I like to say, the three faces of Tugs. The three faces of Tugs. We're talking Tugboat. We're talking Typhoon. We're talking Shockmaster. The Shockmaster! It's Fred Ottman. A man who you've seen before in many different things. I feel like every wrestling fan has seen the Shockmaster debut, right? Like it shows up all the time. Yeah, it's always, it makes its circles around Twitter every other month. It like it, yeah, it's just as it's it an iconic. Like if you get into wrestling in more than just like a, a very casual way, I feel like you look up funny like wrestling things, and this yeah. is like in the top like three. Everybody needs like funny wrestling accounts. To follow, you know what I mean, or you just look like a compilation on yeah. YouTube or something. You know, do you have, do you have any particularly good wrestling accounts you like to follow on like Twitter? Oh or man, uh, there's I, Wrestle Perk too. I think yeah. it is. It's the same. That guy's really good on on Instagram. Um, I like uh, Vince McMahon googling on Twitter. <laughs> that shit kills me every time. It's just so good because you could just imagine like Shane taught Vince how to use Google. And then Vince just sitting there, I don't know. Like it's just it's a it's a vivid image. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like to think that he still use he he like uses AOL or something like that. And he's like, I killed it. He's on Ask Jeeves asking why they butchered Austin Theory. <laughs> hey, massacre, my boy. They're building him back up again, damn it. Yeah, they are. I'm actually quite quite pleased. Uh, for those who have never listened to the podcast, we take a wrestler, we watch five of their matches. Uh, we usually used to say they were their best matches. Now it's just five of their matches, five of their most influential, maybe five of their most noteworthy, because sometimes they're not the best. This episode, they might be his best. They're not the best. That's the best they way to exist. put that. They, they sure do. Uh, what do you know about Fred Ottman? Um, I know that he was the Shockmaster, and I know that he was he was Typhoon in the Natural Disasters, and mm-hmm. that's about it. That's fair. Big guy, very Huge. big guy, six three, listed at three eighty five. No shot. No. You, th- shot. you think too low, too high? I think it's too low. I feel you, like he's more than four hundred. You think he's over four hundred? I don't know. I think at a certain point of his career, he was over 400. I think the Shockmaster career, he was he was up there. Yeah. When he's when he's over there in his Larry the Cable Man or the Cable Guy outfit, he is yeah. absolutely over four. So Fred Ottman, a uh, started wrestling in the mid 80s. You know, he was trained by Boris Malenko, a good person to be trained by. 
if I had to be trained by a family of wrestlers, Hearts, Malenkos, they would be up there. You know what I mean? Mine would be Killer Kowalski. Just so you could be just like Triple H, your favorite? No, just so I could say I got trained by Killer Kowalski. That's so cool. And he started wrestling for uh, Championship Wrestling in Georgia, Texas All-Star Wrestling, and the CWA as Big Bubba. No gimmick infringement, of course, on the Big Boss Man. Then he went to Championship Wrestling in Florida, where he was a heel called Big Steel Man. I just want to know, like, promoters in the 80s and 90s, like, at what point... Did they look at some of these names and they're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's great. That'll get over. That's a champion right there. When you hear the name Big Steel Man, like you just picture what? Iron Giant? Brother, I don't even picture that. Like, I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. Like, for some reason, I'm thinking he's like a fucking thief, you know? So, but it's like steel, like S T E E L. Like, it's like he know, should but... be. Like, is, is he like an iron work? Like, he's from the steel mill? You know what I mean? Like, it's the thing. I'm just confused at this point. Yeah. Like, but do I call him BSM? Like, you could call him BSM. You shouldn't, but you could call him BSM. He had a feud with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he actually defeated Rhodes for the NWA Florida Heavyweight Championship in May of 1989. So that's a big thing. The other reason that I bring up Dusty Rhodes is because Fred Ottman is the uncle of Cody and Dustin and the brother in law of Dusty. Really? Yes, I believe he married into the Rhodes family, so he is the uncle to Stardust and the artist formerly known as Gold Dust. <laughs> They're two I most famous go, gimmicks. Go, you, you go Stardust as if it's a current thing, and I'm the artist formerly known as Gold Dust. I went with their most, my favorite gimmicks of both of them. Oh, really? You're telling me that you didn't love Cody Rhodes when he was tag team partners with, with Bob Holly? What if Cody Rhodes redebuted at the Rumble as Stardust? I, <laughs> brother, the way that I would lose my mind. <laughs> oh, they would have broken him mentally. So Tugboat made his first appearance in WWF in June of 89. Uh, he used the Big Steel Man name. He had Slick as his manager. And then he kind of went on, went and got rebranded as Tugboat Tyler and then Tugboat Thomas. And then eventually... Simply tugboat. Uh, describe Here's another the, thing. Go ahead. Oh, describe it. The dude who who has beef with Popeye. Yes, yes, he does look like that guy whose name I totally forget. I have no fucking idea. Gaspacho. I don't know, man. You good for him, but all I know is he looks exactly like that guy, and that is all I can give you. He is just big. He is dressed up in the most comedic-looking sailor outfit you could find. The pants are way too fucking big. They're wild as all hell. Uh, and he's got like a little hat that looks like it's it, it, it's it looks like the napkins that they give you at like a uh, 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 like those like uh, Asian-style buffets. The name is Bluto from Popeyes. Um, you know what he looks like? He looks like if somebody got hired at the ice cream shop in Stranger Things, but they had just been released from prison. And, and like, it's his first job out. And they're like, here's a little sailor costume. Have fun. You know how the Russians had that, like, or spoiler alert, I guess, if you never watched season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, you know how the Russians had that, uh, that, like, killer dude the serious one who's just like running around fucking everyone up beats up harper about 15 different times yeah 
Harper, I should say. Um, he imagine that, but American. That's what American. I think it would be like. Tugboat was weirdly popular. The reason that he was popular is because they paired him. They didn't actually pair him with Hulk Hogan, but they had Hulk Hogan like vouch for him. Hulk Hogan cut some promos alongside him being like, you know, he like I trained him and uh, he he was his personal trainer and brought him the WWF. And then like also like his personal trainer. My man's got a gut and a half. He also did the thing like the Rocket Reigns thing from the Rumble where he raises the hand after like, hey, look at this guy. He's really great. Sure, man. Yeah. And Tugboat would get some wins. He would get, he'd have some feuds with like Dino Bravo. He was in a Survivor Series match. But the match we're looking at for Tugboat, the first match, is his crack at the Intercontinental Championship against one Mr. Perfect. May 4th, 1991, the Wrestling Challenge. I love the Wrestling Challenge. It's just such a great name, great feel. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's. It's something that I, th- I I just want Triple H to bring it back. You know what? Just let's just get rid of Monday Night Raw because who honestly who needs it? Rebrand it, make it Saturdays, call it the Wrestling Challenge. Just give me an hour like Rampage of Wrestling Challenge. Just give me some decent yeah. matches. I don't need three hours of Raw. I just need one hour of Wrestling Challenge. I need two hours of Raw, one hour of Raw Underground, <laughs> and I need one hour of Wrestling Challenge. No, I need SmackDown still. That's that's the yeah. that's the Bloodline show. Uh, Mr. Perfect is in his bag at this given time. Oh like, yeah, he is just just so fucking good at this era. Like he's so good. This ninety two ninety three is just the peak of mm-hmm. him uh, as a character, as a performer. Just everything about it. It's he's here with Heenan. It's just it's a beautiful thing. Ev. It's a beautiful thing. Tugboat. Over as hell with this crowd. I was like, what the fuck? Mullet, like you said, the red and white striped shirt, the big white pants. Um, He's over, and I'm distracted. And the reason I'm distracted, did you catch who's on commentary for this match? No. It's Jim the Anvil Neidhart on commentary. I couldn't tell what they were calling the guy on commentary. I was like, that's weird. And then eventually I caught on, they're calling him Anvil. And I was like... Anvil, like Jim, it is Jim, and you will dad. Yes, and you will clue in eventually if you don't know who it is because he does the laugh, the weird Anvil laugh, which I'm not going to try to do. (laughs) That's pretty accurate. Yeah, Uh, this match in terms of actual wrestling quality, not there, but it's a it's a story, a little (laughs) tiny story. It's like wrestling, you know, you know, in the Archie comics, how they'd have like the six page stories, but then they'd also have like the one pager. Like this is like no. a one this is like a one page story. I'm sorry, I'm not a fossil. I don't know about the arch. <laughs> Back in my day, you used to go throw Jack down by the soda fountain. Nobody knows what you're talking about, you old man. I watched like superhero or I or I read superhero comic books. I didn't read old people stuff. Down by the chocolate shop. All right. Uh let's talk about the match. Perfect is just trying to figure it out. Like, he didn't do any prep ahead of time. He's trying to figure it out in the moment with Heenan. Yeah. What? They just. Let me tell you something. The most annoying thing about this match was I I think it was like six different times, maybe even seven. Perfect just bent over through the ropes to talk to Heenan. Yeah. 
He had no idea how to chop down this giant tugboat of a man. This is a five minute and 41 second clip or something like that. Yeah. As that's happening, Heenan distracts the ref a little bit and Perfect does loosen the turnbuckle. So he's like, okay, this is the plan. Which, spoiler alert, does not come into play. Uh, Tugboat tosses Perfect in the corner, stands up, and Perfect tries a shoulder block. He slaps Perfect when he goes outside. He slaps him through the ropes. Yeah. No chops work on Tugboat. When you have that much chest meat, you just don't feel it anymore. There's like a, a depth barrier. Well, he's got a he's got a layer of blubber on top of his actual muscle. Yeah, you're not going to feel it. Tugboat is an ideal candidate for big meaty men slapping meat, a.k.a. Yes. the Big E dream match. I want to see Tugboat versus Big E. <laughs> get Let Big E get him up there for the big ending. Ooh. To the universe mode. What an ending. Uh, so, he said, Perfect just keeps checking in with Heenan. Perfect tries to just run around Tugboat. Like, he's trying to, like, rope-a-dope him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, like, at one point, when Perfect starts, like, running straight into Tugboat, he just starts selling... Uh, like, like he's a fucking used car salesman. Correct. You know, like the the selling was top notch. Now we we know we did this in the Mister Perfect episode. This dude oversells everything. Yes. But my God, if it's still a beautiful thing. But he does it with pizzazz, and that's he does worth... it with. There's pride. There's passion. <laughs> there's all those things. They're all there. Tugboat gets like a two hand lift choke on him. He gets a bear hug because, of course, a guy likes. Like tugboat's gonna have a bear hug, and he's allowed to. He's allowed yeah, to have a bear yeah. hug. It's not. It's not good, but he's allowed to have it. Tugboat runs into the corner after perfect dodges. You get two count by perfect. The the finish is weird because tugboat does offense, and that's the end of the match. So tugboat it's a scoop slam. Goes up to the middle rope. Goes for a splash. Misses. Perfect just rolls him over and pins him and then kind of just pulls at the end of the pants. Which doesn't feel like it would help you get the pin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he wins. It was a pretty know, fast count too, I will say. It was a, and they made, no, made, they made note of that on commentary. It was a pretty fast count. Mr. Perfect slipping some cash to the referee after the match. This was uh, Tugboat's big shot at a, a singles title in WWF. He failed. He he didn't get it done. So we're going to look at WWF Superstars the next month, I believe. Uh, June 15th, 1991. It's Tugboat and the Bushwhackers versus Earthquake and the Nasty Boys. Sags and Knobs, the Nasty Boys, are, and I say this without hyperbole, some of the grossest looking wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they, uh, they are off-putting in a way I can't explain. Dude, they look like they eat their own boogers. They look like if you couldn't get name like the, like the actual brand Bebop and Rocksteady, and you had to settle for store like store brand, like to, off of Wish dot com. Yeah, this is this is the Alibaba Bebop and Rocksteady. Jesus Christ! <laughs> They're teaming with with Earthquake, aka John Tenta, another gigantic human being. Aka, <laughs> we'll get to that. We we will. He's he is scary in a way that I think is explained solely by his haircut, dude. The fucking hairline starts at the goddamn crown of his dome. 
Yes. It's wild. Also, shout out to Earthquake for being Canadian. John Tenta. Yeah, it's from Surrey, BC. Uh, I say like that means anything to you. Uh, honestly, if you were to be like, can you figure out what part of Canada British Columbia is in? I would be like, no. The British I part. Wouldn't even ma- wouldn't even make an attempt. Uh, earthquake for reference, 6'7", 468 pounds. My God. That one I believe. Have you seen his belly? Yeah. Jesus. Let me say something. If you wanted work rates, this is not the match that you're going to get it. No, but we do have both Savage and McMahon on commentary. Oh, we will get to that. Let me tell you something. Well, when when Earthquake gets to the ring with the Nasty Boys, Vince McMahon says, what a threesome this is. Settle down, Vince. Settle yourself. Vince, this is why you lost your company. Um, Bushwhackers and their funny walker here. Nope, nope, it's nope. just crazy how they were the fucking, like, most violent, disgusting heels on the indies, and they get to WWE, and they're like, you guys are now just, like, really funny, weird dudes. They're like, you're goofy. Do it. And they're like, all right, sure. It's cool, man. Honestly, if it, if it gets you paid, it gets you paid. Who cares? I'm excited to do a Bushwhackers episode. Hopefully, you get some sheep herders. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see, yeah, to see their indie stuff. Because it's like, it's like only getting a band once they've sold out. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like, oh, it's like a band that's like, oh wow, they make pop music, and he's like, they were heavy back in the day. It's like every, it's like uh, Panic at the Disco post Vices and Virtues when it's just Brendan Urie now. That is a really, really good analogy. Well done. Uh, what do you think of the match? Uh, let's just get into the match. I, I'm not going <laughs> to offer that. <laughs> Because I, I guys, think we wrestling all... in the early '90s wasn't that good in America. Okay, I, Mexico I nailed it. it. Japan nailed it. You can't say that because there were some very good matches in the early '90s. We had Bread against Perfect. There was a lot of rockers, like yes, good we, tag matches. There were like ten people who were good at the wrestling in the WWF, and then like six in WCW, and the rest were in Japan and Mexico. You're not wrong. But you didn't have to <laughs> say it. <laughs> so early on, we get Knobs versus Luke. Uh, Vince identifies which Bushwhacker is in the ring by if they have teeth or not. He said, he's got teeth. That must be Luke. I could tell the difference because I believe Butch is balding more significantly than yes. Luke. Yes. And that's the only way I could tell the difference. Uh, anyways, Knobs just kind of rocks him for a while. Yeah. Luke responds with a big clothesline, and then the Bushwhackers just kind of tag in and out with each other for a while. And every time they go to tag, Tugboat turns his back and does the little taunt and claps on the yeah, claps on the ring apron. And the first time, it's like whatever. He's just like he didn't see you know, Luke trying to tag him in. But then Butch, like, goes to him, and as he does, he turns his back, and it's like, oh, yeah, crowd, murk, murk. Very suspicious. Uh, and then Tugboat does eventually tag in. Knobs turns around, tags in Earthquake. So they have a little bit of a stare down. Um, and then Tugboat immediately turns around, tags Luke in, and Luke just gets fucking fed to the wolves. Yes, because, of course, the matchup that makes most sense is Earthquake versus... Tugboat, he's yeah. the right size to at least try. It's like Hulk versus Abomination. Instead, he's like, you're in, Shuri. Figure it out. Shuri's <laughs> sure, like, what? And then she just gets fucking smashed. Yeah. 
Black uh, Panther 2, have you seen it? I have. I saw it. Yeah, the, you the, saw it like opening night. I just yeah. saw it this week. It's really good. Solid. Solid. It's solid. It plays like a uh like a mini series. Like it's so long that I feel like I my, watched three episodes of a mini series back to back. Yeah, my hot take on no, I don't I guess it's a hot take. I thought they did every individual character justice. Mm-hmm. I just didn't particularly like the story. Yeah. I mean, it's also two straight Black Panther movies where I'm like, the villain makes some very good points. I also don't think, because Namor isn't a villain. He's an anti-hero. No, he's an anti-hero. So it's like difficult. Whereas Killmonger was very much a villain. He's yeah. just not wrong. No, he just wasn't wrong either. <laughs> he just was going about it in a way that didn't align with the rest of us. Uh, back to the wrestling. Yes. Um. So at one point, uh, like I mentioned, Luke is in the ring. He's getting absolutely rocked. Uh, Butch, he, he gets pinned once. Butch saves it. Second time, Butch saves that one. After the second breakup, uh, all hell just breaks loose. All yeah. the heels come in. The, the ring basically just, just gets full of people. Uh, at one point, Butch is like all up in the corner with Jimmy Hart. Tugboat runs over and kind of like pushes Jimmy Hart off yeah. of the apron but like in a very gentle way and then he he throws uh butch over the top rope the ref is distracted in the corner with the nasty boys and earthquake and while that's happening tugboat hits a running splash on, on luke. luke yeah who's just down in the in the middle of the ring uh he gets back in the corner earthquake gets back in does like a running sit I don't, I don't really know how to describe I'm sure that move has a name. I would never call it anything other than a running sit. But it's it's a running sit. He just runs and sits on the person. One, two, three. The Nasty Boys and Earthquake win the match. After the match, Tugboat hugs Earthquake and joins the heels. There are kids crying. The 90s was such a simpler time. We were so innocent and pure about everything. Oh my god, this is my favorite wrestler. I love Tugboat. Why is he hugging the scary bald earthquake man? And it's because they are going to become the natural disasters. No, no, you know what it was. I think Macho Man on commentary had 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 the point correct the entire way through. Which was Maybe Hogan's got something to do with this. Uh as we as we can assume, Savage is correct like he always is. But we've got the natural disasters formed. We're going to take a commercial break when we get back. We're looking at them at WrestleMania 8. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at Aruba.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Back from the break, and last time we saw the Natural Disasters, they were heels. Guess what? They're the faces in this match. That's weird. Uh, they 
are up against Money Inc., aka IRS, and Ted DiBiase at WrestleMania 8 for Money Inc.'s tag titles. Natural Disasters are mad at Jimmy Hart, who they got rid of. They actually they didn't get turned on by Jimmy. They dumped him. You know, man, uh, my girlfriend in the fifth grade didn't didn't break up with me. I broke up with her. <laughs> I was wondering how your fifth grade girlfriend related to this, but that makes sense. I want to talk about the old school tag straps for the WWF. They're the best design. Yeah. Like, just bar none. They're so good. They're the reason we keep Such going back shit. to them. Just let us go back. Get rid of the get rid of the nickels. I hate more than anything the freaking brand colored straps. Yes, it's dumb. What are we doing? I guess it makes sense with the tag titles the way that they're currently configured, because like they both have the same exact design, so it's a way to differentiate the two. But hey, guess what? Um, maybe just had two different looking titles. Yes. What you know, an idea. What a concept. Maybe, we've, you know. We've done it before. We can do it again. We have the technology. We have the belt guy. I don't remember his name, but we have the belt guy. I think his name is just the belt guy. The belt guy. He's got, he's got the skills. Yeah. Everybody needs a belt guy. I just, at what point, like, do you think that dude was just like, you know, I want to make wrestling belts. I feel like it's one of those jobs you don't like aspire to. You just kind of find yourself doing it. And you're like, okay, like you Pretty gotta, niche. you gotta love it. And you gotta have like others, like you gotta be like leather working and metal work and all that. And then you just gotta like find your niche and be like, Hey, is nobody making belts for these people? I will make belts. Like, does he make UFC belts too? Who's Cause I mean, the UFC just throws titles around like it's nothing. So like, yeah, is he fair. making them belts too? Or, is he doing is he doing boxing belts? Because there's about three million of those. We should we should interview Belt Guy. That'd be fun. Bring Belt Guy on the podcast. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter. If you want us to bring other people on the podcast and have this chaotic energy trying to interview somebody, you let us know. And please, for the love of God, do not say Earl Hebner. No. Though I mean we have an in because RJ hosting reffing it up with Brian. So we got an in. <laughs> Please, God. They had, they had Vince Russo on this week. Go check that out. Yeah, I saw that. Check yeah. that out. That's a, a lot of fun. What a get. It's a hell of a get. All right. Let's talk about this match. In terms of wrestling content, this might be the... This is probably the second best match. I would say second. You'd yeah. say second. Yeah. Because it's not bad. It's probably the best camera work. Oh, fuck. It's definitely the best camera work. We'll get to that. IRS wrestling in slacks and a shirt and suspenders is like what a what a move. It's just even more funny when you look at his tag partner Ted DiBiase, who's just in the black trunks. Yep, Ted gets tagged in first, uh, immediately does his big laugh and squares up to Earthquake. I love that Ted DiBiase, as much as he is a terrible heel, still is like I got a job to do. So let me see this gigantic man. I'll fuck him up. I got this. <laughs> So he's, he he does a collar and elbow tie-up with Earthquake. It gets thrown to the corner. And his face. Yeah. I, I cannot describe to people what the face that Ted DiBiase made when he got thrown into the corner. But it, the only way that I can really put it into words is a man completely and utterly em- emasculated. Yeah. That sounds accurate. He does it a couple of times. 
Earthquake then reverses an Irish whip, hits a clothesline, gets a couple more when IRS comes in. He's just kind of running clotheslines on both of them. Uh, we do a meeting of the minds by both natural disasters on Money, Inc. Uh, and then, you know, it's just IRS and Earthquake is just working the left arm of IRS for a long time. Like, that's the game plan, which I get because it's like, hey, you're going to need all your strength to try to do anything to us. So let's just take away your arms. Sure. Uh, at one point, uh, Tugboat gets in, he hits a hip toss. He smashes IRS's co- uh, head into the corner turnbuckle a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, Ted DiBiase gets back into the ring, gets absolutely rocked on a reverse whip to the corner. I just love how they sell. Like, I, I will say, I will always appreciate how little smaller people sell for the the massive individuals especially when it comes to getting whipped into the corner like yeah. they would just crumple every yeah. single time the other thing as much as the actual in-ring action isn't what we're used to even by certain standards in the 90s the one thing that i'll always give all the wrestling is everything hurts and they remember yeah. everything if something hurt you early in the match you will remember it for the rest of the match like they put so much emphasis on the compounding and the selling I, you I know feel. why that is, right? Because everything uh, hurt back then? No, it's because there was only five moves in between that. That's true. There was not much to remember. <laughs> it's like, oh, he was working my arm five minutes ago. Well, I should know. There's only been two moves since that. And it was one, an arm ringer, and two, a punch. <laughs> IRS runs Typhoon into the steel steps, but this is after this moment. I got to talk about this awkward ass moment. So Typhoon has some headbutts on DiBiase. DiBiase tries to bridge the rope for Typhoon like a classic rumble elimination, and Typhoon can't get over it first. He botches the tumble. So he has to re-propel himself over. <laughs> Which Typh- No reaction. Typhoon may be the slowest person we have ever seen on this podcast. He he really might be the least athletic big man I've ever seen. Because we've covered Bam Bam, you know, we've covered Vader, we've covered those like quick, agile big guys. Typhoon, brother, slow baby. Like I, I'm just gonna tell you right now. Like they're even outside of this podcast. Like who is less athletic? I mean. If you look at younger great colleagues, definitely more agile than than Tugboat in any of these matches. Yeah. Obviously, once his knees were shot, we got the great colleague that we saw in the WWE. But like you, you look at his, his stuff with New Japan when he was younger. And he, he, yeah. The brother can move. Even even King Mabel could move. Even Omos can move. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. But yeah, then after he's on the outside, he gets run into those steel steps like by IRS, like I said. We get a double clothesline by Money, Inc. They're focused on Typhoon in the corner. We get a double back elbow. Um, and then DiBiase and Typhoon actually clothesline each other, and so they're both down. That was the slowest double clothesline spot I have ever seen in my life. I will also say we could not find this match on anything other than Peacock, and when we watch things on Peacock, we have to watch them at regular speed because Peacock does not have a speed-watching option, which is my least favorite thing about Peacock. It is also, like, it was on regular speed and it was still fucking slow. Oh, yeah. It felt like we were on, like, <laughs> 0.5. Yeah. Like, like we, were, we were doing the, the slow motion from The Simpsons where you could see the exact moment when his heart rips in half. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like you're watching a World Cup game and they're reviewing uh, uh, something on, on VAR. And you're oh, just like, the oh, VAR. Oh, no. 
It's going to take me five minutes. I would call it a hot tag, but that would be a disservice to hot tags. It's a lukewarm tag to Earthquake and IRS. Give it that. That brother's cold. Room temperature tag. Uh, Earthquake does some shoulder charges in the corner, clothesline to both Money Inc. members. They toss, they like Irish whippy the Money Inc. guys into one another. Earthquake clotheslines DiBiase out of the ring. That's okay. Uh, then we get the the finish. The finish really yeah. comes from here. Go ahead. Tugboat hits a running splash on IRS. Uh, Earthquake goes for a running sit, but Ted DiBiase on the outside with Jimmy Hart. Um, Jimmy gets into the ring. Ted like kind of holds his legs. Uh, Jimmy grabs IRS, pulls him out. The heels just grab their titles and walk out. They forfeit the match. DiBiase straight. You can hear him say, we don't need this. <laughs> They've got money. What do they need this for? They don't need the prize money. That's right. So the natural disasters win by countout. Not the most exciting way to win, but a win at WrestleMania nonetheless. Uh, the biggest winner of this WrestleMania match, Jimmy Hart's custom jacket. <laughs> it's cool as hell. I would, I would love one. Explain the jacket to the people, because I didn't even notice this. Airbrushed with the WrestleMania arena on it, the WrestleMania logo, and all the names of like himself, IRS, and Ted DiBiase, and just a bunch of fun colors. Oh my god, it's sick. He went all so, out for the WrestleMania drip. So if you guys are listening to this and want to know what Evan wants for Christmas... I want an airbrushed jacket. and I want it to have the logo of the pod. I want it to have the name our names, and my cat's face. <laughs> These are all the important things. That's what I want in my jacket. And then I'll go and manage. It's going to be awesome. To, shout out to Cooper. Shout out to my boy. Um, so that's, like, they would win the tag titles, the natural disasters. They would. Um, I believe at a house show. I don't believe that they won them on an actual... Whenever they won it, it was not televised. No. Um, they... Yeah, they would win the tag championships in July and they lose them three months later. We're looking at them winning or having another set of tag titles, one that I did not even know about. So we need a little bit of backstory. And we need to go back to 1990, April 1990, when uh, Jinichiro Tenru would leave All Japan. And big, he, big, big deal. Huge deal. He became a spokesmodel for Megane Super, which were one of the best-known makers of eyeglasses in Japan at the time. Fun fact. The company decided to instead use him as a launching pad for a new pro wrestling circuit, which they called Super World of Sports. It would close in June 92, but it had a really good working relationship with WWF, which leads to this match, where the natural disasters who had won the SWS Tag Championships the day before are defending them against King Haku, and Yoshiaki Yatsu, April 18th, 1992, just a couple of weeks after WrestleMania 8. Whoa, whoa, WrestleMania. This is filmed illegally by someone in the stands. This was filmed by my father on the flip phone that he had back in 2004. Yes, this was on a Motorola Razor, aka the great, the peak of technology. It wasn't even on a Razor. It just I, wasn't. <laughs> I think I've told this story before on the podcast. I don't care if I have. It's probably been at least 60 episodes since I have, whatever. I had a Motorola Razor while in university because my Blackberry died, <laughs> which is a very old sentence to say. Jesus Christ. You had a Blackberry back in 2012? Yes. 
that's the year that this happened actually was 2012 and so my friend's like i have a spare phone i was like what is it she's like it's this and she hands me a hot pink motorola razor i am 20 years old i am a single man in university and i am like all right this is what i'm using now and my party trick was that i figured out how to tweet from it because you could fuck you used to be able to text to tweet and you could you could Type a little tweet using T9, which is a reference not a lot of people will get if they're under 30. There you go. You had to use the T9 system, and you could text, you could type in a little tweet and send it from your phone. I also was really good at Snake. (laughs) (laughs) I was really good at Snake, I will say. That wasted a lot of my time. Anyways, uh, this match, an interesting idea. You know, like they would just bring in WWF guys to have like little one-off like couple week runs in SWS and they seem to get quite a few different guys. what do you think of the actual match? I think this is the best match of the bunch. I would say probably uh, just cause I think because of the, the con, you know, it's a different style. It, it, it really kind of made it easier for, for the two big guys to work. Uh, cause it was a lot, it was very heavily based on strikes and, and, and attacks like that. There wasn't much story to it because honestly, I, I doubt there was really much of any story going on here. Yeah. Um, but but it was it was nice to to see because you you got a good little crowd reaction, which is weird uh, because it's Japan. But also, the quality of the fucking video is so shit that the person like. It, they just zoom in at such weird angles and stuff like that. It's like, just stop zooming. Just get it zoomed in just enough that you yeah. cover the entire ring, and that's all you need. I'm going to list some of the people who showed up for SWS in just their two-and-a-half-year run. So WWF, pretty much everybody who was popular in the early 90s WWF was there. I'm talking Hogan, Undertaker, Flair, uh, Bret Hart, The Rockers, DiBiase, Everybody all the way down to the Brooklyn Brawler. Like, everybody showed up. Jesus, even the Brawler showed up. The Brawler showed up. You know, the Texas Tornado. The Berserker showed up. It was awesome. They also had the Brawlers hashtag Hall Elite. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Let's go. Freelancers, including Chavo Guerrero Sr., Jeff Jarrett, Bob Orton, uh, Kurgan, before he became Kurgan, when he was Giant Goliath in uh, the Canadian indie scene, El Dandy, uh, Blue Panther, like they had some good gentlemen. Chris Adams was there. Samoan SWAT team showed up. Like that's a gentleman really Chris Adams, yeah, aka the biggest asshole of all time, apparently. And even Ultimo Dragon showed up. It's cool as hell. That's a, like if you run for that long and you're like, look at all these fucking guys we had. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fact for those who don't know about chris adams uh the 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 people who do beyond uh beyond the ring right that's the one yeah uh they they're doing like this this territory series now and they just did world-class championship wrestling which we covered a few weeks ago here because we did a couple of we did the Freebird episode um and chris adams is just the worst <laughs> Yeah, go Just go go watch. Go, go watch. watch. Go listen. Go look up. He, the guy sucks. Gentleman the, is not what he was. No, the natural disasters have the title belts because they won them the day before. And my God, are these the smallest title belts I've ever seen? 
Dude, when I tell you these make them look so big, it's like, do you remember when Nyla Rose won the the AW Women's Championship, mm-hmm. like right at the beginning, when yep. she beat Rio? It she it's a it was a very 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 small belt, but it also was such a drastic change from Rio, who's a very small person, to Nyla, yeah. who is not, and just that thing could like barely fit. On Nyla's like shoulder, much yeah. less. Like, she should, she, she really should have done the Bubba Ray thing, where she's just like trapped it around her neck. <laughs> I was, I always thought that was so cool. I'm like Bubba Ray doesn't give a fuck about these tag titles. He just cares about <laughs> tables and putting old women through them, and and something to do with the respect, even though he has none. Um, we also, I picked this match so we can get one of our favorites. We got Haku on the pod again. God bless Let's that go. man. So. Typhoon that and Haku. Not a Haku episode. It's one of my favorites. It is. It's also some of my favorite just matches. Haku. Haku would make a killing today. Oh, dude, with those stories, could you imagine Haku like on social media? Well, he wouldn't have a social media presence. But can you imagine what other people would be saying about Haku? Other people would be media? like, "Guess what? I just saw Haku do, bro. Um, I just saw him rip a dude's eyes out with his pinky toe. I just saw him. T- I just saw him tie a guy's two ears together. That's fucked up." Um, so we get Typhoon and Haku to start. A simple breakup gets a, a little applause break in Japan here. Uh, Haku with some chops, tries to clothesline Typhoon over, but he stands strong. Then we get the double tag in, Earthquake and Yatsu in. Long headlock spot by Yatsu, because he's like, I'm just going to make Earthquake fall over. That's my game plan. Uh, at one point here, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing, uh, Yatsu goes for headbutts like right away. Yeah. Right away, he's like, fuck this. I don't care if this guy's huge. Headbutts. Um, Earthquake hits a scoop slam. And Yatsu's like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> he yep. needs Axe and Haku. But, but right before that, he tried, Yatsu tried to like get back control, essentially. Like, he, like as if he was going for a German. And he couldn't fit his arms around Earthquake. <laughs> yes, because that man has a gut the size of fucking Pluto. He's trying to put them together. Just couldn't make it. Couldn't even get his fingers to touch, much less clasp. Haku gets in and decides, I'm going to kick the shit out of Earthquake. Leg kicks to chop him down. Great strategy. Yeah, uh, he just starts kicking the left leg over and over and over and over. Um, Earthquake eventually just muscles him and gets him right into a bear hug. Um, Eventually, Yatsu's like, fuck this, gets in. Um, the, then Haku and Yatsu are both in the ring at the same time. Hit a running clothesline in the corner to Earthquake. Uh, a tugboat eventually gets into the ring. And then we get my absolute favorite spot in Do this it. match, which is uh, Tugboat goes for headbutts on Haku. But Haku no-sells. And then Tugboat starts selling because Island Boy Headstrong. That's right. I like that you keep calling him Tugboat now, too. He's Typhoon. He's even got the new singlet and everything. Give a fuck. He's tugboat until he's not. <laughs> uh, so Typhoon with some body splashes. He gets chopped by Haku. Uh, hits Haku with a pair of running corner splashes. Haku fires up. Tags in Yatsu. who's throwing hands in the corner. Earthquake tries to make the save. Yatsu dodges and Earthquake ends up splashing Typhoon. Which uh, the only way, way to get these guys to hurt each other or to hurt themselves is to really get them to hurt each other because they're giants. The funniest thing was Yatsu uh, fights off Earthquake to the opposite corner. And then Tugboat just ends up hitting a running splash on him anyways. Yep. 
Uh, Yasu does toss Earthquake to the outside. We get a double Insigiri by Haku and Yasu. Double shoulder block. And double suplex that takes a minute to figure out. <laughs> yeah. They a... try to do it once and they kind of slip and they don't get Typhoon Yatsu up. falls on his ass. He really does. Yatsu uh, flat falls on his ass. Yatsu falls like he got crossed up. Uh, Hawk, <laughs> and then they eventually get the double suplex. Uh, Haku tosses Yatsu onto Typhoon for the splash, the pin, and the win. Yeah, he kind of just pancaked right onto yeah. it. It's a short match. Um, if you're wondering, because I'm sure you are, that means that they held the tag titles for one day. They were the third ever tag champs because they started the tag belts in February of 92, and SWS would close two months later. So Haku and Yatsu would actually be tag champs twice. This is their second reign with the belts. They lost them for a combined two days. That's it. Nobody go against King Haku. You will lose. You will lose. That's the end of our Typhoon part of the episode. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, my God, we're talking about the Shockmaster. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back from the break, and it's time for maybe one of the most anticipated things in the history of this podcast. I knew eventually, somewhere down the line, we would end up covering my friend Fred Ottman, our boy, <laughs> my my good pal. Yeah, he's like our close personal friend. Yeah, Was he the my, best close, man my close personal friend, Fred Ottman. And with that, we're going to need to talk about the legendary debut of the Shockmaster. So, for some background, Ottman had signed with WCW and was going to make his debut in a War Games match. He War was Games! Be, he was going to be on the fan favorite team alongside Sting, Dustin Rhodes, and Davey Boy Smith up against Sid Vicious, Big Van Vader, Kane, and Cole, a.k.a. Harlem Heat. We have covered that match before. It is in one of our all-time best episodes, the Harlem Heat episode. Go and listen to that episode. It's a, it is an all-timer. It's absolute lunacy. It's some probably the, the best episode we've done. Some of the wildest matches we've ever seen. And that's a shame because it's episode like 54 and we're at 142. <laughs> it's been two years. I don't care. It's still our best one. It's still it's still fantastic. So Shockmaster was going to be revealed not at the pay-per-view, which I'm actually kind of glad they didn't based on the way that his gimmick looks. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a weird gimmick. So we'll Shockmaster to is going to debut on Flair for the Gold, Ric Flair's talk show where he just causes problems. On the show right now, he's got Sting and Bulldog, uh, British Bulldog, Davey Boy, Smith, whatever you want to call him. 
Uh, they're there. They're they're going to announce their partner. They get interrupted by Sid Vicious and Harlem Heat, who show up, and Sid is just not having any of this. He is just chalking shit. He will not have anyone else speak over him. He is really fucking annoying right now. Sid just screams. Yeah, for some reason, the two people who aren't there too, Dustin Rhodes isn't there, and Vader is not there. Don't know yeah, why they just take this probably in Japan or something. And Dustin Rhodes is, you know, he's the coach's son. He doesn't need to be there. Sting and Davy Boy are talking about their special tag team partner who they've got for this. Sid, like you said, just keeps screaming. And you see Flair. Flair has an underrated shit eating grin. Because <laughs> normally he's got like just a very cocky. But you, Flair, when he knows he's caused problems, is so good at just the like, <laughs> I've caused this. And you see him between the two teams just just smirking. He doesn't care. He's Ric Flair. He know his shows his shows getting ratings now. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, and then we we finally get to the nitty gritty of things. And Sting goes, "All I have to say is our pod- partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than the Shock Master." Okay. So funny. What one? What an entrance line! Shock the world, baby. Um, he shocked us. He sure did. Um, there's an explosion, like little pyro explosion, and then Shockmaster bursts through the wall like the Kool Aid Man. But instead oh, yeah. of instead of successfully making it through the wall, he trips. While he trips, he loses. His bejeweled, sparkly stormtrooper helmet. He can still make the whole place shimmer, okay? <laughs> he, the, the outfit he has on. So he, he loses his helmet. He scrambles and puts it back on. And when you look, he's wearing a black puffy vest that looks like a sleeping bag. Like, it looks <laughs> like he's just wrapped in a sleeping bag. And he's in jeans. The Shockmaster wears jeans. And if you hear, there's just someone. I don't know who it is, but all you hear in the background is just, oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, man. Somebody yells that he he fell on his ass. I got to look up who said that. So the oh, no is is Flair. The oh, God is Vicious. And um, Davey Boy says he fell flat on his arse. He fell flat in his fucking arse. And then Booker T goes, who is this motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I feel like Booker T's way of introducing himself to everyone he meets. Who is oh, this Jesus motherfucker? Uh, Sid is just yelling that he doesn't care who the fuck that is. And then Shockmaster speaks. And it's like. It's like fucking Kane with the little voice box. So he's got a gravelly voice that is dubbed over. He's being dubbed by somebody. Like, it's not Fred Ottman speaking. Oh, you don't fucking say. <laughs> You're the man who rules the world. They call me the Shockmaster. You want a piece of me? Come after me. What the fuck is going on? You've ruled the world long enough, Sid Vicious. Okay, I want to talk about Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious deserves all the credit in the world. He stays in character. Yeah. Sid Vi- this, this what happens is like we're not doing justice. So he falls. He picks up. He has to scramble for his helmet. And then when he stands up, 
He's just like a deer in the headlights. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's like fucking Ricky Bobby out there. He's just standing there trying to figure it out. And Sid just goes, I can save this. I don't care who you are. And just keeps yelling. Like Sid stayed in character. Everyone else is like, this is a fucking nightmare. This is the worst case scenario. So on an episode of WWE 24-7, Dusty Rhodes claimed that... uh, there was a piece of lumber in the wall that wasn't there before, I guess, or like near the wall that wasn't there during the practice run, which apparently went perfectly smooth. And that's what Ottman trips on is the piece of lumber. And it was put there by David Crockett without informing Ottman. Therefore, David Crockett is to blame for the Shockmaster debut. They would pivot the Shockmaster character to be more of a comedy character based on how shitty he was. We also need to talk about the laugh. Okay, yes. Go with the laugh first. Let's go let's go there. The, first. So obviously still dubbed over. He just has it's basically just the fucking anvil laugh, but dubbed over and robotic. So it's like ha 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 ha. They would pivot the character, right? And make it more of a comedy character. And here's yeah, my question. To. Here's my question to you. Did they expect this to work? A sparkly stormtrooper helmet dubbed over Sleeping bag wearing Gene Toten, son of a gun, as a as like a conquering hero babyface. No, you know what was fucking hilarious? Did, did you watch the Edge and Christian show, yes. The Totally Reeked of Awesomeness? Right? You remember the episode with Fred Ottman where they like yes, tried to basically redo the Shockmaster <laughs> debut yeah. for him? That shit was fucking hilarious. And that's the thing is Ottman is like of an incredibly good sport about it. Like he apparently will like do things at conventions. Like he's a really good sport about how weird and wild that whole thing was, which is great because you kind of have to be. Yeah, you cannot take yourself seriously after that. You just yeah. can't. It like people compared the Titus O'Neil slipping and sliding under the ring to the Shockmaster. It's not the same. Like the stakes were just not the same. No, but Titus O'Neil also the right temperament to deal with something like that. Like yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody who's a bit like, could you imagine it? Like, obviously it wouldn't happen. They wouldn't. If CM Punk had something like this happen to him, he would just, I, I feel like he'd just like evaporate. Like he would just disappear. You know, what is something I'm thinking now is like, think about all the people who are like top guys in, yeah. in, in, in either uh, WWE or AEW. Who do you think is like the most serious one? Like who would who would react in a negative fashion to this? Like wouldn't take it in a lighthearted, like wouldn't take it in jest, wouldn't do anything. Like I can't. Like MJF would probably just find a way to turn this into heat somehow. I f- I do feel like Punk would be the most upset based on everything we've heard about his personality. I feel like Roman be- would not give a fuck. <laughs> no, and this thing is, I was running through like the WWE top guys. And I'm like, Drew would be fine. Co- yeah. Cody would be fine. Cody might Cody might take it a little harder than other people. Cody would just do that like thing he does when he's like upset with himself or he does the face. He's like, yeah. But like Rollins what? would turn it into a weird thing. Sammy would, like, if Sammy did this, he would have done a fucking somersault and like popped Sammy up. Sammy like, would have would have tumbled and been like, yeah, he would have stuck to landing like Kerry Strug. Like, he doesn't care. Owens wouldn't have cared, although it would have been a tough look for Owens. Yeah, is it solo? Is solo Sokoa the one that's gonna take this the worst? The the most serious, maybe, maybe. Jay Lethal. (laughs) 
No, Lethal doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I feel like it's diff- it all depends on your gimmick, too. Like, if you're supposed to be, like, a world-conquering badass, like, you know. Oh, that would, would suck for Roman, then. It would suck for Karrion Cross, you know? Like, current a- current uh, Austin Theory would be devastated. Oh, he'd be he'd be in a he'd be in the new uh, the new oddities tomorrow. Like they they'd be like, we gotta do it again. It's gotta be led by Austin Chase Theory. University. Oh no, no, we don't want that for anybody. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the one the one Shockmaster match we have because we've already covered, like I said, that War Games match. Go back and listen to the Harlem Heat episode. It's worth it. It's really fun. We're at Battle Bowl nineteen ninety three. Battle Bowl was a lethal lottery event where you were paired randomly as tag teams. You had to win your tag match against two other randomly paired together wrestlers to be entered into the Battle Bowl later in the evening, which was a battle royal. If you won that, I believe you got a shot at the world title. I think that's how they played it. I would love a Battle Bowl style event again. What a great premium live event fucking gimmick. What a great gimmick. It's one of those things where like, you know how Roman takes every other pay-per-view off now? You yeah, know. do it on one of those. Yeah, like like when we had fucking Hell in a Cell or some shit, or like fucking Payback or yeah. some, whatever the hell the the non big four pay per views are these days. Like for one of those, just just give me a battle bowl. Just do it. Yeah. I think Men it'd be a really women. really cool idea. Like I think it's a really it's a really fun gimmick because like I'll I'll pull up the battle bowl like what actually the the teams and everything were because there's some really weird teams the teams that we have for this particular thing one was like vader and cactus no so we have uh vader and cactus jack were a team yeah uh we had like eric watson paul roma we had brian knobs and johnny b bad we had uh the equalizer and someone named awesome kong who is not the awesome kong that we know (laughs) we had uh Two Cold Scorpio with Max Payne, a.k.a. Man Mountain Rock. <laughs> we had Tex Slazinger, a.k.a. Dennis Knight, a.k.a. Minion, with Buff Bagwell. Like, weird things. Road Warrior Hawk with Rip Rogers. Rick Rude with Shanghai Pierce, a.k.a. Henry O. Godwin. Like, King. Rick Flair was with Steve Austin. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Our, our particular episode, our little match is the Shockmaster teaming with Paul Orndorff against Ricky Steamboat and Lord Steven Regal. Who we know nowadays is William Regal. Yes. Regal and Steamboat are not happy to be teaming together. As yeah. they're they're from the two different they're from the heel and face locker room. How will they get well, along? Also they're in a feud. <laughs> yeah. Shockmaster now looks more like Kenny Powers. And honestly Kenny Powers, no, he looks like fucking Larry the Cable guy. It, it's it's his best look. <laughs> it's the, it's his best look. It looks like he should look. It, I'm he's not a sparkly stormtrooper. Okay, this is what he should look like. I hate that you're right. Is the worst part about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I am right. Um, I I weirdly liked this match. I thought it was fun. I I like the little the little nuances of it. I think that the actual in ring portion of it was just like fine or That's whatever. Okay. Uh, I mean, what do you? I, I'm not going to expect much out of Shockmaster and Paul Orndorff, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, like, it's very clear that the the wrestling on the babyface, air quote, quote unquote, babyface. Sorry, whenever Steamboat's on a team, I just assume they're babyfaces, even though Regal's very much not. Very fair. Um, on that end, was kind of uh, 
hindered by the fact that they are they they more were telling a story rather than actually wrestling wrestling yes so the the quality of the matches is just average at at best but i thought this was the most entertaining of all the matches that we covered yeah so it's steamboat norndorfin to start steamboat with with a headlock takeover uh gets a shoulder block and then gets tossed over the top ropes by orndorff he skins the cat of course does a head scissors to take orndorff over to the outside um Steamboat has like he's doing headlock takeovers and like headlock spots for a while. This is a thrust kick. Yeah, Orndorff Orndorf turns all those headlock spots into two counts because he just kind of puts the shoulders back. Yeah. Um, forearms by Orndorff in the corner, which are actually pretty nasty looking. It's like, yeah. oh, Paul's got some vicious. Like we saw him fight Cactus Jack a couple weeks ago, and now this. I'm like, Paul Orndorff has some some spunk in him. He's got some. He's got some things. Some fire in his belly. Mister Wonderful's got the shits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Steve at one point picks him up, hits an atomic drop into the corner. Orndorff bounces back off the corner and they collide heads. Then we get the tags. Shockmaster and Regal are in. Steamboat is yelling at Sir William, who I did not know was a person. I didn't know that uh, Regal had a guy like that. Regal is not happy about being in this match with the Shockmaster. No. They're very loud USA chants. Um, at one point, Shockmaster grabs Regal, sits him on the top rope, and then just pats him on the head. I fucking love that. Shockmaster, uh, we talked a little bit about the look. He's got two buttons on his denim cutoff shirt, and they're holding it together like Spider-Man keeping the train on the tracks. <laughs> they're just holding on for dear life. It's like my last two brain cells. He's um, a hero. Um... <laughs> And then also, after he puts Regal on the top, Jesse Ventura is on commentary, and he just keeps making comments about how Shockmaster is a laborer, and like that's a bad thing. He's like, I bet Shockmaster isn't too pleased about NAFTA. Like, what? What? Where's What's going on? Dude, that's not even it. At one point, they were just talking about Republicans and shit. And I was like, because they're elephants and they don't forget. And I was like, where are we going with this, Jesse? Jesse, I understand you become a Republican governor in Minnesota in a couple of years, but come on, man. Wasn't he an independent? I'm pretty sure he was a Republican. I think anyway. he is a Republican, but I think he was technically an independent governor. Who cares? Jesse Ventura could fucking go somewhere else. Um, Regal goes for, for his little uppercuts. Uh, Shockmaster no sells him. At one point, Regal goes for for like a middle rope dive splash or something. Um, Shockmaster just or crossbody. Uh, Shockmaster catches him, slams him down, then tags in uh, Orndorff, and they just kind of like fight about the fact that Orndorff just got tagged in. And Shockmaster leads Paula chance. Yes, which cause... apparently has been getting on Paul Orndorff's nerves because the crowd keeps doing it. Regal, being the gentleman he is, extends his hand to Orndorff for a gentleman's agreement. And Steamboat is pissed about this. Yeah, Steamboat is fucking heated. He's like, he should just wrestle. It's like, man, let him show some honor. And then we get like a headlock takeover by Regal, a hip toss. We get a backslide pin by Orndorff and they shake hands again. And Steamboat's like, what the fuck is this? Can you just can you believe that this match was the catalyst of Ring of Honor? I can't. I mean, <laughs> this is where they came up with the idea of like we should have a handshake before the match. Yeah. Hey, can you imagine if that was actually a thing? Uh, that'd be crazy. Uh, Steamboat is just being a huge fucking bitch right now. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that is like the only way that I can describe this. Like, bro, they just shook hands. Like, who gives a fuck? 
he he is not gonna let it go though. Uh, we get the like Seamboat's livid. Shockmaster's just leading Paul a chance. Like that's his response. It's just to get the crowd to mock him. Regal does a cartwheel in maybe the least ex- the least expected thing I've ever seen. Like I, if you had asked me what's Regal gonna do coming off these ropes, cartwheel would have been at like plus seven thousand odds. Yeah, Order had him in a full nose, and he like scientifically technical technicals his way out, and then does a cartwheel. Um. Regal tags in Steamboat. Steamboat was very fucking annoying about it. Um, Orndorff drops Steamboat on the ropes, then drops a knee right on his back. He starts working the small of the back really up against yeah. the ropes. Um, hits a sidewalk slam, a scoop slam, and then he tags in the Shockmaster, who takes fucking ages, um, and then misses a running elbow drop. Yes, Steamboat dodges. Regal refuses to tag in Steamboat, so Shockmaster makes the tag using Steamboat's hand himself. He's like, no, if if Ricky wants out of this match, you are going to let him out of this match. You get a drop toe hold by Regal, two count. He dodges the elbow because Orndorff is in now. Dodges the, the elbow by Orndorff. Yeah. Then we get uh, the finish. It's just a weird finish. Regal... Forces Shockmaster to botch a corner spot, um, then pins him, moves when Orndorff drops an elbow to break the pin, so there's friendly fire. Shockmaster's pissed about this. Uh, Regal goes to Sir William, grabs his umbrella, tries using it on Shockmaster, but Steamboat rips it away and hits him with it, Yeah, which allows Shockmaster to hit a running splash. One, two, three, Shockmaster and Orndorff win this match. This is nice because we get to end the match or end the episode with uh, with like Fred Ottman getting a pin. We haven't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been funny if we had gone the entire it way. It took until he was the Shockmaster, his truest and most powerful form. I'm very excited for the Barry Horowitz episode. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ. So Shockmaster would wrestle for a little bit longer until the end of 1993. He departed the company in 94. He made an appearance under the name Uncle Fred in WCW uh, and then just didn't really go anywhere from there. Uh, he returned to WWF in 94 actually as Typhoon to, and he took the place of Earthquake in some house show matches against Yokozuna. Uh, and then he was released in August or departed in August of 94. Uh, he would wrestle a little bit. He would make some appearances. Uh, he made an appearance in WAR in Japan. Uh, he wrestled for the National Wrestling Alliance for a little. Uh, he was in the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania X7 as Tugboat. He eliminated Earthquake and then retired right after that match or like soon after that match. King. King shit. Uh, like I said, the other big things on his uh, on his Wikipedia is that he's the brother-in-law of Dusty Rhodes and one of the two uncles of Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. The other one being Nasty Boy Jerry Sags. He's also their uncle. What a Thanksgiving. What a Thanksgiving if you're the Rhodeses. Wow, I did it's not know a lot that. Of rest- like, like, that's a crazy amount of wrestling experience in one family. That's nuts. I did not know that. Yeah. Holy fuck. Uh, what did yeah. you think going and looking at the career of Typhoon slash Tugboat slash Shockmaster? Uh, just good for him, man. Yeah, man. Him. If you can do it, cool as hell. Look, he was he was uh, he was a guy who at one point got very over, as we saw very. at the beginning. Um, he's really over in that Tugboat gimmick. 
I thought the natural disasters were pretty cool. I always like it when they when they pair two big men together. Um, it, it's it's always a fun thing, even if they their work rate isn't there. It's just a cool visual seeing those two guys uh, as a team just kind of manhandle people. Yeah. Um, the Shockmaster thing was fucking hilarious. It's one of the funniest things that's ever happened um, in the wrestling industry. It's it's in a it's a hilarious all time botch. Um, it's something that will never cease to bring me joy and bring joy to wrestling fans across many, many generations and many, many future generations to come. Uh, and, you know, it, it's a shame that that'll be the thing that he's remembered for in a way. But it's also cool because if you think about it, like how many guys get to be remembered at all for anything yeah. in wrestling? You know, um, it, that that's something that. You know, 50 years from now, if we're still all around somehow and haven't been blown up by our own atmosphere, like, you know, he's going to be able to, to, he, I don't know if he'll be around, but like, you know, somebody's going to show their five-year-old kid that video of the shot master and they're going to laugh. And then, you know, the, the trend just keeps going and going. It's going to get passed through from generation to generation of wrestling fans, even non-wrestling fans. You know who who just see the, that video and are like laughing about it. Yeah. Um. So his, you know, the the memory of Fred Altman will will transcend uh the man himself. Uh, it's unfortunate that as you know, he never really got any sort of gimmick to stick. I would say he never really got a run, um, of of success. I would say, but you know, he's a memorable character. Yeah. I mean, like, having three memorable characters is worth something. Like, yeah, tugboat people remember babyface run, popular guy, popular with the kids. Typhoon was a bastard to start, and then like they really got over as just these two lovable big guys. And then the Shockmaster, better or for worse, memorable as hell. What a gimmick! What an outfit! Hey, if nothing else, you could say it was in a war games match. Absolutely. Some people have never been to one of those. He has. He shocked the world. Not as many as Butch, though. Pete Dunn's been in about five of them. Pete Dunn lives in those. He just has a little cot in the cage. Pretty sure he's been in every War Games match since he's come back. That wraps up this week's episode. Wherever you're listening, be sure to rate and subscribe. It helps so tremendously as we continue to grow. We, as we now close in on episode 150 as we make our way there towards the end of the year. Follow us on Twitter at Crossbody of Work. Javier, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO Sports. Sauce the boy some follows. Sauce me one too. Added seven gomes. I T S E V A N G O M E S. Also follow us on Instagram at Crossbody of Work. Follow us there too. It's cool. I'll try to post some stuff if I remember. <laughs> I remember <laughs> once every three weeks. So you'll see something I, once hey, every three weeks. That's better than me. I forget we have one unless you bring it up. That's fair. Uh, go to fullpresswrestling.com for all the links to all the matches. We'll have some of the links there. Some of the links will be for Peacock. Uh, if you don't have the cock, Try to borrow it off your friend, I guess. It's a weird phrase you to say. You don't shit because, well, World Cup's going on, man. And if you are not in America, just get yourself a VPN. We're not sponsored, but I need one. Uh, fullpressshop.com for the merch. Support the boys. Buy the merch. Make it a Christmas present for you or someone you love or someone you know who listens to the podcast. I am wearing one. Yeah, Javi's got one on right now. It looks fresh as hell. He's got the Blockbuster tee on. Yeah, it's white, yeah. long sleeve. 
Love it's it. Nice. It's really Slept nice. Last night. Next week's episode, we are doing another guy who had multiple gimmicks, but one that's more famous and more memorable than the others. We are looking at the career of Bob Holly. Very happy you didn't ask me, because did I remember what we were going to do next week? The answer to that is a hard no. Plug Bob Holly, a.k.a. Hardcore Holly. We are looking at his career, some of his biggest matches, some of his biggest moments. We're talking Holly Cousins. We're talking... That's pretty much... We're talking Holly Cousins. We're talking hardcore stuff. Super heavyweights. Super heavyweights, baby. There may be some Cody Rhodes. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Javier, it's time for life advice. Any uh, final words for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier, Christmas is around the corner. It's the sure first is. week of December, finally. And my life advice to everyone out there, plan ahead. Start buying now. Get yes. your gifts now. Do not wait until the last minute. Uh, stores are, are, are not as uh, stocked as they used to be because you know we had a whole pandemic and things are moving online. So they're just not. For quite frankly, they they do not carry as much as you want. If you want to get something that you love, something special, get it now. Get it now. Get it now. Get it now. Um, I have already gotten and given one present to my girlfriend. Uh, I, I'm already working on the other, which is like a proper Christmas gift. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, my uh, same thing with my family members. Already, already getting that process going. We've already got things in the mail. So. Do that. Do it now. Do it within the next week, week and a half at the latest uh, because you do not want to get into the Christmas crunch and worrying about whether things are going to get here on time, all this other stuff. Because remember, you are not the only one that is like you. If you are procrastinating, I guarantee you there are millions of other people that are also doing so. Just That are just like you. So you got to figure it out. Figure it out. Get your stuff done now because damn it, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and the people deserve the gifts. They sure do. That's a good. That's a good one. I like that. That's good life advice. Next week, it's Bob Holly time. Bring your bring your scales. It's gonna be great. We're talking super heavyweights. We're back next week to talk about that. Thanks for joining us as we talked about Typhoon, Tugboat, and Shockmaster. We'll see you next week. Bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.